This morning, my message is Confessions and Decrees, and my text is Mark chapter 11 and verses 22 to 24, classic verse on confession. Jesus answered and said to them, have the faith of God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, but does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things that he says will be done, he will have what he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever you ask, when you pray, Believe that you have received them and you will have them. In the 80s and in the 90s, the buzzword in charismatic circles and Pentecostal circles, word of faith circles, was the word confession. The word confession in the Greek is the word homologio, where we get the idea that you are speaking the same as the word. It's, it's confessing what the word of God says. When people begin to discover the power of the spoken word, when people begin to discover the power of confessing the word of God, what happened was it released the floodgates of healings and amazing miracles started happening. Why? Because people understood the power of confessing the word of God. Now, the most definitive passage of scripture on the subject of confession is Mark chapter 11. You know, Kenneth Hagin would quote this every day for two and a half years until the word of faith man was saturated in his spirit. I'd like to unpack some powerful keys for you here in Mark chapter 11. First of all, the faith that's mentioned here in this scripture is not the minor over meta stuff or this positive thinking stuff. When Jesus said, have the faith of God, what he was saying was, have the God kind of faith. Now, you know that you cannot conjure faith. You know that you cannot manufacture faith, not in a million years, right? Faith is a heavenly substance. If God doesn't give it to you, you don't got it, all right? And this kind of faith comes only by hearing and by hearing the Word of God, that's Romans 10, 17. And it's often released to us through the reading of the Logos, which is why you've got to cultivate the habit of reading the Word of God. Because if you don't know the Word of God, if you don't memorize the Word of God, then you've got nothing to confess. Amen. Verse 23, Jesus said, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things that he says will be done, he will have what he says. Now, come on, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that the key word in this verse is the word say. And I tell you, my friends, the failure of God's people is not in their, in their believing, it's in their saying, which is why we've got to change the way we speak, man. We've got to start agreeing with what the Bible says. And again, it's not a matter of positive confession. I believe, I believe, I believe that mental gymnastic stuff. No, your confession is God's appointed means by which you invoke His power. Hallelujah. Now in the book of Hebrews, there are three verses where we find an emphasis on maintaining a right confession. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 exhorts us to hold fast to our confession. And Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 exhorts us to hold fast to our confession without wavering. Come on, hallelujah. Now the emphasis on holding fast to our confession without wavering, wavering, suggests to us that we are often bombarded with increasing pressures that would cause us to change our confession or perhaps weaken our confession so that we're no longer confessing what we used to confess, or worse still, we're starting to confess negatively. And I don't know how many Christians are very negative in their confession, and that's why they lose the promises. Instead of holding fast, they start confessing negatively. But no matter what the pressures may be, the victory comes as we firmly hold on to our confession. Our confession is like putting the plug in the socket 
and keeping it there. I tell you this, my friends, faith is defined in the Bible as being the substance of things hopeful. So let's say you're stricken with a disease, you're, on, you're bedridden, and you read the Bible, you read the Logos, and you get a revelation that it is God's will to heal you. What does that produce in you? It produces hope. And hope is a wonderful thing because when hope comes into your heart, you know things can be different. And that's why, my friends, if you have hope, you, you know that your marriage can be different one day. If you have hope, you know that your children can be different. If you have hope, you know that your financial situation can be different. No matter what the situation be, because hope is the raw material from which faith springs out. So you start confessing the Word of God. You start saying what the Word of God says about you, your family, your situation, or whatever it might be. And at some point in your confession, I'm telling you this, my friends, at some point in your daily confessions, the Lord will quicken a word to you. We call that a rhema. So the logos, the written word, becomes the uh, spoken word, the rhema. And faith is produced as you hear the living word of God. And that faith is the assurance that what you have hoped for is now becoming a reality. Come on, hallelujah, amen. And the moment when that happens, you no longer need to confess, my friends. At that point, all you need is to raise up your hands and give thanks to God because you can take it to the bank. The answer is on the way. The answer is on the way. When God says to you, you have received what you have been confessing. Man, you can, you can rest with full assurance that God will keep His word. God is not a man that He should lie. Amen. This is not rocket science. By faith and by patience, we inherit the promises of God. And our confession links us to our high priest who alone is faithful. Amen. I don't know if you recall, several years ago, I stood on this platform. I had a frozen shoulder. Uh, it was really so bad, I could hardly put on my shirts. I stood on this platform and I declared to you that I was going to decree over my shoulder every day until it got healed. And every morning I would go for my walks and I would decree Matthew 11, Mark 11, sorry, verses 22, 24. Have you the faith of God? Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in. I would speak to my shoulder and I says, I command you shoulder to come in line with the word of God. I command healing over you. And I tell you, it wasn't a matter of time. I got completely healed because every day I spoke to my shoulder. That was my confession. And I told it to be aligned to the Word of God. And although the healing didn't manifest immediately like it did in other situations in my life, I had to wait for it to manifest. But I tell you this, if you keep confessing the Word, you are setting yourself up for a miracle. It's not a matter of denial. You know, something, Pastor, are you living in denial? No, I'm absolutely not. I understand what the situation is. I'm not ignorant of the situation, but I know what the Word of God says as well. And I choose to believe the Word of God because I don't live by what I feel or I don't live by, by how I sense. I live by what I believe. Amen? And that's really important for us because faith-filled words dominate the laws of sin and death. And that's how you got born again, man. Because with the heart, a man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You're justified or condemned by the words of your mouth. You know, there are very few words in the English language that are neutral. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? Words spoken are either positive or they are negative, which is why it is so important for us to have the right confession. The right confession will either give God dominion over your life and the wrong confession will give Satan dominion over your life. It's your choice. Now, the Bible is the Word of God, yes? It contains God's thoughts 
and it contains God's ways. And through His words, we can have access to His thoughts, which is His will. And through the word, we can have access to His ways, which is His nature, in order that we might begin to think like Him and behave like Him. The prophet Isaiah says that his ways and his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. So we we have the lower ways and the lower thoughts, but God has given us his word so that we can access the higher ways and the higher thoughts. Now, sometimes the word of God may seem unreasonable to us, to the natural man. And that's because our minds haven't been renewed and often that is manifested by our confession. You hear people talk around the table sometimes and by their confession, you will know whether they've got a renewed mind or not. What is a wrong confession? A wrong confession is a confession of defeat, all right? Now, if, if your confession is wrong, it's because your believing is wrong. If your believing is wrong, it's because your thinking is wrong. And if your thinking is wrong, it's because you don't have a renewed mind. Your mind's not yet renewed. So what's a wrong confession? It's a confession of defeat. It's a confession of failure. It's a confession of Satan's power is greater than God's power. It's a confession, instead of confessing by, by thy stripes, I am healed, you confess sicknesses and disease. Instead of confessing that he took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, you confess how weak you are, how sickly you are. Listen, if you start confessing what he has already done for you, it opens the way for you to receive your miracle. But if you confess fears and doubts, your sicknesses and your disease, then somehow you can negate by your words the very thing that God has done for you. A wrong confession is a confession that glorifies sickness. A wrong confession is a confession that declares God's power is insufficient. A wrong confession is a confession of fear that gives the enemy power over your life. And the best thing that you can do this morning is to get out from your negative confession into the realm of faith. Hallelujah. It's not always easy because your intellect and your circumstances will fight you along the way to keep you from entering into that place of faith, hallelujah. But don't succumb to it. Many people, I tell you, lose their blessings because of a wrong confession. It will keep you in bondage, my friends. It will give the enemy power over your life. But a right confession grown out of hope will give you victory. Woo! Hallelujah. Don't confess your fears. Don't confess your doubts. I'm not talking about living in denial. I'm just telling you, start confessing faith. Hallelujah. Stop talking the devil's language and start talking the faith language. Our God is a faith God. Hallelujah. And we have our faith children of a faith God. Amen. You're the sons of the kingdom. Now, as wonderful as the power of confession is, and we've got to learn how to do that, man. There's something else that I want to share with you today. It's the power of a decree. In the, 19, uh, in the 80s and 90s, hardly anyone thought about the principle of decreeing. In those days, we prayed, we offered up our petitions, we had no idea how to decree, and all of a sudden, people everywhere today are getting the revelation of the power of a decree. Why? Because we're realizing there are certain things that cannot happen on the earth until we decree them, hallelujah. There are certain things that cannot be released upon this church until we decree them over the platform, Amen. Now, Job 22 and verse 28 says, You shall also decree a thing, and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways when they cast you down, and you say exhortation will come. He will save the humble. He will even deliver the one who is not innocent. Man, this is such a powerful verse. Yes, he will be delivered by the purity of your hands. The Greek word for the word decree is the word dogma, where we get the word dogmatic. 
It's an established opinion or a settled opinion. And a decree will establish a thing that wasn't there in the, in the past. But more than that, it will also reverse what you or someone else have been experiencing. The psalmist says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. What is he doing, man? He's reversing in his life what was a contradiction. And the way you do it is by decreeing. Hallelujah. And when people put you down, and many times they do that. When people put you down, when you look down in an unfavorable way in your office, turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I decree exhortation is coming. Hallelujah. And God can reverse that situation. No matter what situation you're in, I'm telling you the power of decree has the ability within itself to reverse the situation, decree favor over the contradiction. The world we live in is a word created, word upheld, word sustained, and word dominated environment. Hallelujah. Come on. Woo! And the writer of Hebrews says that he holds, things, he holds all things by the word of his power. We've got to learn how to speak in the future, pre, present, future tense what Jesus has already done for us. Amen. Now in Acts chapter 3 and verse 25, it's an interesting verse here. Peter is, uh, is preaching uh, to a multitude of people and he says, you are the sons of the prophets. You are the sons of the prophets. And he was referring to an Old Testament text in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 21 where the Lord says, my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you shall rest uh, uh, and my words which I put in your mouth, can we, yep, yeah, got it, uh, shall not depart from your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants, nor the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now watch this, please. Watch this. This is an important phrase. You are the sons of the prophet. That means whoever you are, whatever family background you are, whether your parents are saved or whether they are unsaved or whether you were born in nobility, or whether you were born in poverty, it doesn't matter. Because the moment you got born again, you got born into a family where the very thing that was passed down to you is the ability to hear from God and the ability to speak on His behalf. Woo! Amen. That's a promise to all the seed of Christ. You are the sons of the prophets. You are the daughters of the prophets. We all have the prophetic word within us. Remember what Moses said to us when he was met meeting with all the elders of Israel. He said, oh, that all of God's people were prophets. Moses wasn't saying that everyone would operate in the office of a prophet. No. What he was saying was everyone upon whom the Spirit of God is upon could hear the voice of God and could speak on his behalf. It is not arrogance on our part to say that we can all hear from God. It is his desire to make us known to us by his word. I tell you this, my friends, every one of you here in this room, you have that pedigree. You have the right to hear his word and you have the right to speak his word. Hallelujah. Some of you might say, Pastor, I've not ever heard God speak to me. And that's a lie. If you didn't hear God speak to you, you would not be born again. You would not be in this room. You would not be saved. If you did not hear the voice of God, the Bible says the faith, that faith, that saving faith comes by hearing and hearing by the voice of God. Hallelujah. Come on, man. Shakabara. When a prophetic word is released to me, it's released to the whole household of faith. It goes down the line to the sons and daughters, to the next generation and the next generation. 
You know, the Lord said to the prophet Jeremiah, see, I put my word in your mouth. Have you ever said, Lord, put your word in my mouth, Lord? See, I've just set this day nations and kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, build and plan. This is Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. What does that mean? It means that there are many things in our communities, our family, maybe our government, they don't shift by their own. They don't shift by... We often make the mistake to think, you know, maybe you give it a few more years, my community can change. No, it doesn't happen that way. You've got to decree it. You've got to decree change to happen. All these nightclubs that we took here in this building, how do you think we got them? I mean, come on, think about this. We didn't we just, you know, wishful thinking and hope that we had to fight for every one of them. You don't know how many times we stood in front of all these nightclubs and decreed and said, in the name of Jesus, this, uh, this shalala would be a hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> we decreed over the nightclubs. There was a whole building across the road, Paramount Hotel. There were about 20 nightclubs, the fights they used to have, the prostitution, the number of times the police vehicles were there. Almost every week they were raiding the place because there was so much vice that was going on. You don't know how many prayer meetings we had when we turned, made everybody turn around and, and decree in Jesus' name that the kingdom of God would come. We decreed over the nightclubs that they would close down and then they did, hallelujah. Shakaraba. How many times did we decree over the nightclubs here in the, in the East Coast? And today you hardly, there are very few nightclubs left in this community. It didn't happen overnight. It happened because somebody decreed. Come on, man. Shakaraba. Revival doesn't happen spontaneously. Somebody has to decree it. We've got to say, Lord, send revival. Amen. No more delays, Lord. That must be the decree of Cornerstone. Lord, no more delays. Whatever you promise, bring the pass. Hallelujah. The supernatural doesn't happen until we decree them. Amen. The word which has been put in your mouth, when you speak it, it releases life and healing. I remember Reinhard Bonke once said, he said, God's word in your mouth is as powerful as God's word in his mouth. It's God's word. And it needs to be decreed. It needs to be spoken. The keys of the kingdom has been entrusted to the church. Come on, use them, man. Use them. Psalms 103 and verse 20. It's an interesting verse. It says the angels hear the voice of God. Every time you decree, what happens is that the angels in heaven are activated to bring to pass what you have decreed. Hallelujah. It's what the word of God says. Why? Because the Lord watches over his word to perform it. He places his word in his mouth, our mouth. So speak the word and the, and the word that is in your mouth will go forth and do what he has commanded it to do. Stumbling blocks will be removed. Things will be created. Decree salvation. Decree healing. Decree righteous laws. That's really the difference between a priest and a king in the Bible. A priest intercedes, but a king decrees. Hallelujah. And we've got to function in both our priestly ministry as well as our kingly ministry. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He said it, he will do it. Amen. His word is good. Now, what is God saying to you? Maybe he's saying, I have appointed you over your family. Maybe he's saying, I've appointed you over your neighborhood. I've appointed you over your child's kindergarten. I don't know. Maybe he's appointed you over your office. I was talk talking to some of my friends in the room just now and uh, in my neighborhood, they, when my friends pass, when people, my neighbors pass, hey, pastor, how are you? Hallelujah. And I, I'm, I, I said to Lord, make me a pastor of Minaret Walk. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
Doesn't matter whether they are Christians or not. When they walk past, they pass. And they will, I want to be available to these people because God has assigned that road to me. Hallelujah. Amen. God has assigned maybe the whole floor of your HDB block to you. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to read one more scripture. Take this plane to a landing. And that's in Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to do something I've, I don't think I've ever done here in Cornerstone. I'm going to read it in a message translation, all right? It's not a translation. It's really a transliterate. But, uh, anyway, it got to start somewhere, yeah. It, God's angel spoke in a dream, Joseph, son of David, do not hesitate to get married. That's a word for some of you right now here in this room. You can see that. Do not hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. The Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring forth a son. And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. This would be the prophet's embryonic revelation. God, this is so good. This is the prophet's embryonic revelation to full term. Hallelujah. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. Something that Tim Sheets, uh, uh, Dutch Sheets' brother, brought out about this whole idea of embryonic revelation. Now, here we have the account of a supernatural conception of Jesus. Mary's pregnancy was a direct result of the Holy Spirit overshadowing her, and she, con and she was caused to conceive, right? Now, the passage basically uh, explains to us how spiritual conception takes place. When you got born again, did you know that it was a supernatural thing? Because you know you can't, you can't in a million years ever get born again unless God plants a seed on the inside of you, yes? That's how you got born again. Listen, my friends, what happened and what you did not know that happened was the Holy Spirit overshadowed you like he did Mary and that's how the seed was planted in you. And that's how you got born again. It's just as supernatural as the birth of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because we don't understand this. We don't understand this. The Holy Spirit, His presence over us can cause spiritual conception. But more than just spiritual conception, it can also release revelation and ministries. And that's how churches are born. Somebody sits in the crowd. Holy Spirit comes upon them. They conceive a church. They conceive a miracle. They conceive a ministry. They take care of the word. And after that, over a period of time, the baby is born and they plan a new work and they plan a new church. But it all started with the conception. Hallelujah. And I think this is why when the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord comes to Zacharias, if you remember the father of John the Baptist, he said, you're going to have a son. He said, how could this be? He said, because you didn't believe. He said, I'm going to shut your mouth. And for the next nine months, he couldn't speak because God wouldn't want the baby to be aborted by his negative confession. Amen. Think about that. John the Baptist is in the womb of Elizabeth and the father couldn't speak because God says, if he opens his mouth, he can abort the baby. He can abort the fetus, the spiritual fetus, because of his negative confession and overturn what I want to do in his life. Come on, my friends, I tell you this. When God 
impregnates you, impregnates you with the seed of the word. Water it with faith. Water it with confession. Speak to the word and say, God, I thank you for the prophetic word that you have brought into my spirit, Lord. I will take care of the word. I will look after the word. I will water it, Lord. I will speak over it, Lord. I will decree over it until that word becomes a reality in my life. Hallelujah. Shakaraba. Someone getting something out of this today, man. This is really important. I'm just teaching you how to bring forth the baby in your life. And you do it by decreeing over the embryonic revelation. What it means simply is that the prophecy God puts in you is a seed that has to be nurtured and cared for. You know, most of us make the mistake. We, like the Jewish people, you know, we want the Messiah to come in his full grown glory as king of kings. Destroy the Romans, Lord. But when he came in a little baby, born of a virgin in a manger, they were so unimpressed. He's the Messiah. Man, he, we, we know Joseph. We know Mary. They were so unimpressed with him. And often we're the same way. You know, we look for the oak tree and God gives us a little acorn. I think, what's this, man? You just got to plant it, water it, take care of it, fertilize it, dig around it. Amen. And one day, maybe down the line, many years down the line, that little acorn will become a full-grown oak tree. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Good preaching, Pastor Young. Shandaraba. <laughs> no more delays. There are many dreams, visions, revelations, prophecies that are now reaching full term. Everything in the kingdom is accelerating just as he said it would be. The greatest push of the kingdom of God is happening right now. Don't you feel it? Revival is at hand. The prodigals are coming back. We're pregnant with miracles. We're pregnant with healings. We're pregnant with the outpourings. We're pregnant with the rivers of living water. And we have conceived. And I tell you this, what we believe and fight over for is now mature, ready for the harvesting. What you have conceived by the Holy Spirit's hovering presence is going to be seen. Hallelujah. No more delay. Lord, no more delay. As a father, I decree protection over my children and my family on a daily basis. I call them by name every morning. I speak the blood of Jesus over their lives. I pray his protection over them. I pray his covering over them. Hallelujah. As a pastor, I decree his protection over Cornerstone every day. Every morning, I speak over this house. I decree over a few things over this, this house every day. And all our affiliates, our CGN, our Bible, the Bible College of Wales, our Cornerstone uh, community services, because that is my role as a pastor, as a shepherd. We all, people need to know that they're safe. And by safe, I, when I mean about safe house, all I'm saying is that people will know that when they come to Cornerstone, they're out of reach from the devil. Hallelujah. Amen. That there is a protection in this house. Amen. Plead his blood. If you're a cell leader, plead his protection, his care, his favor that over the people that have been entrusted to you. Hallelujah. Amen. He promised he'll protect us from pestilences and viruses. He promises that he'll protect us from diseases and sicknesses. On the first day of Chinese New Year, we were driving to my mother-in-law's place to visit her. And it was a 10 car piled up along the PIE. And my car was just the second car, just before the pileup. And when I saw the car stop right in front of me, man, I was going about 80, maybe 90, <laughs> maybe 100, all right, <laughs> on the fast lane. 
And this car stops right in front of me, man. And I tell him, I, I, I jab my brake and I thought, okay, that's it, man. But I tell you this, I knew, I knew that nothing was going to happen because I'm under the blood. I don't say it in a proud way. I don't say it in a hubristic way. All I'm saying was every morning when I plead the blood and I speak his protection, I'm so aware of the presence of God over my life that he watches over me. He guards me. Hallelujah. And his angels watch over me. Amen. I can tell you example after example of very near misses. And it's just like sometimes the angel of the Lord puts his hands right there. And you're just two inches to the next car. And the Lord says, I'm here for you. Amen. Come on. Amen. Better than buying any insurance. man. <laughs> All right. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to stretch your faith muscles a little bit. I'm going to decree 25 Faith declarations that I wrote yesterday morning. <clears throat> Some of them you might sound familiar. You might think, hey, Pastor, are you trying to be like a Joel Austin? <laughs> Absolutely not, right? <sighs> I'm, not a faith, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I believe in prosperity. I believe God wants to prosper you. Amen. 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 So I want you to stand up because we're going to exercise our faith muscle. And I'm going to decree, and I want you to repeat after me, all right? I've got 25 faith declarations that I wrote down yesterday morning, and I thought would be a great blessing to this church. So guys, are you ready? Yes. All right, number one. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. I, can, I am a child of the living God. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I declare that by his stripes I am healed. I declare that my God shall supply all my needs. I declare no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I declare greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I declare that his grace is sufficient for me. I declare that all things work together for my good. I decree that all the members of my household shall be saved. I decree protection, provision, and, and, and health over my family. I decree that I shall be the head and not the tail. I decree that I shall be above and not beneath. I decree blessings and favor over me and on my whole household. I decree that all my children shall be blessed and protected. I decree no cancer in my family. I decree no suicides, no abortions, no miscarriages, no premature deaths in my family. I honor the blood of the Lamb and the finished work of Calvary. Come on, let's give God a big praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo! You are great, Lord. You are good, Lord.
One of the confessions that I made was this. I am the disciple whom Jesus loves. Listen, my friends. That's John, the apostle John. He said that three times in the scripture. He says, the disciple that Jesus loved. Oftentimes when I read that, I would think, that guy is a little bit of, the, the bit of arrogance, right? You know, he loves everybody, right? But he kept on saying, I am the one Jesus loves. Because I tell you this, my friends, the most surest part of your identity is that you are someone Jesus loves. Come on. Everything about you can vary, but one thing does not change. Jesus loves you. Hallelujah. And when I understood this, I realized that this is the greatest part of my identity. No matter how many times I stumble, no matter how many times I make a mistake, if I would get up, I know Jesus loves me and He cares for me. And I tell you this, one day I, I said, Lord, do you love me? Do you even love me? And I know that hurt him. Because the one thing about him is he is love. He loves us. Hallelujah. And I said to myself, Lord, I promise you, I'll never, ever, ever broach that subject anymore. I know you love me. And that settles it. Amen. And we also confess that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you more fearfully than wonderfully. <laughs> okay, negative confession. I take that back. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for Cornerstone Community Church, Lord. We all sense right now, Lord, there is a stirring of the Holy Spirit. Something is shifting, Lord, in this community. Something is happening, Lord. Faith is arising. We sense revival, Lord. We sense a fresh move of the Holy Spirit on the horizon. Lord, the, our vistas are expanding, Lord. We're seeing things that we never saw before, Lord. We're experiencing things that we never experienced before. You know, every morning I get up early at 4.45, I tell you this, at some, there was a point that I felt it was like a struggle, you know, the daily, the daily getting up and, and I wonder, Lord, am I just doing it as a routine? But everything changed. When one, one morning as I was praying, the presence of God came into that room, hallelujah. And I tell you this, my friends, I get up now with anticipation because I know He is there. His presence is there. And I just want more of Him. I just want to draw into His, his uh, the life source, hallelujah. He promises that He's going to be with us, hallelujah. And I believe it. That's my confession. And I decree it over this house that His presence is going to be stronger and stronger over your life. Father, I just decree health, life, favor, blessings. David stood up before the assembly of God and said, Yours is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom and you reign over all. Hallelujah. Shakaraba. I decree that over this house, Lord, that we would be a house full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, full of love, Lord full of light, hallelujah, and full of the Zoe life of God, hallelujah, shaka. That everyone we come into contact with God, life is going to be infused into them through the spoken word. I decree prosperity over these precious people, Lord, that in all things that they would do, Lord, they would prosper and be strong and be in good health, Lord, even as their soul prospers. And now, my brothers and sisters, I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, bless these precious men and women. I decree your favor and blessing over them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give God a big praise offering. Amen.
just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.